Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast and joining me on YouTube for the first time is my co-host, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and veteran journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, I, I guess we needed to get Correa and Deshaun out of town to finally see your beautiful <laughs> face. Well, I'm sorry about that, Robert. That that doesn't make me feel, it's probably not going to make me popular among anybody, is it? Because yeah, <laughs> here I am. The last time we talked, yeah, Deshaun was you know still with the Texans, sort of. Carlos Correa was still with the Astros, sort of. And the Rockets were, oh, they were still the Rockets. So I guess that hasn't changed much. So yeah, I guess you're right. Unfortunately, here I am on a day that uh, it much better in Houston sports than when I was last with you. Yeah, Friday did not go too well. And I'm going to have you get out your Kleenex, Stephen, because we're going to go through the talents that Houston sports has lost just in the last three years, we got oh, Correa. Do you have to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Correa, Garrett Cole, George Springer, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, James Harden, Chris Paul, A.J. Hinch, Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey, Jeff Luno. That's a lot of Hall of Famers, mm. uh, Stephen, in that group. It's a lot of Hall of Famers and a lot of names that, you know, just had such an impact on Houston sports. Man, that's really depressing. But, you know, some of them we saw coming, some of them we didn't. But either way, it adds up. I, I guess, you know, Robert, as you know, I'm an optimist or try to be a, a cautious one. I just keep trying to say, you know, th this is just the turning of a new page. And it may take a while to fill in those blanks of the page. But at some point down the road, I just keep hoping that, you're not going to replace these guys, but you'll just replace them with new memories of new guys. I've seen a lot of Jim Crane bashing, Stephen, and frankly, I I'm tired of one of the piss poor narratives that he's cheap and he promised to spend, but he's not spending. He's been near the top of baseball in spending the last few years. He understands better than fans that to win consistently, you don't pay crazy contracts to one guy or aging guys. He demanded the Verlander and Granke trades. Steven, remember that? Yep, I sure do. Uh, Luno wasn't so sure about either one of those trades. Neither contract was cheap to take in. He spends money on development. There's five straight LCSs, three World Series appearances, and the only championship in the history of the franchise since he's joined the Astros as the owner. I'll also make the point that we'd have three championships if... Their $24 million pitcher was allowed to stay in game seven of the 19 World Series, where yeah. their best pitcher was brought in at that time. And they likely went a few months ago if their $50 million in pitchers were healthy. You know, Lance yeah. McCullers, Justin Verlander, along with their future $30 million ex MVP level third baseman. That's $80 million, Stephen, that we forget was not helping the Astros in the World Series. This ain't the Royals. So until the Astros, start struggling, I'd just say, back off. Back off from Jim Crane. Yeah, and, and guess what? None of that is Jim Crane's fault. None, none of those things that you just mentioned are Jim Crane's fault. It has nothing to do with him. And Robert, look, you and I have been through a number of these kinds of transactions. You know, that, that list you just named, you know, that, that didn't even begin to scratch the surface over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years of how many guys have left. And I'm just, you know, I've come to one conclusion that, that most trades or free agent walks, you know, whatever you want to say, are not always as bad as it, we, we make it seem to be in the long run, not always as great as they may make it seem when you get an addition. It just, 
it all evens out. And and here's the thing, you know, when you, you lost Garrett Cole and you lost George Springer and you didn't have just Justin Verlander, yet the Astros did get back to the World Series in 2021. As you said, you know, if a few things had fallen one way or the other, it could be the Astros, not the Braves, the world champions. So, you know, with Carlos Correa gone, it's obviously going to be a huge void. There, there's no question about that. And anybody who thinks otherwise, it just doesn't know sports, apparently. But I also don't think that it's going to be as bad of a situation as I think we just look at it too much from a fan perspective and not from an objective one. Somebody is, what if somebody steps up? What if a Jeremy Pena steps up and at least does a halfway decent job? You know, what, what if somebody else that we don't even know about comes up and steps up? And what if the Astros get back to the playoffs, maybe even the World Series? Then it's not going to sting quite as much. The hardest thing to understand about all this, though, Stephen, is, and I think this is where the fans are frustrated. It was a contract that you would think the Astros could have dealt with. You know, there, there's, there's the three one-year deals, $30 million. This is perfect. I would thought I would have thought yeah. this was perfect for the Astros. That, that's what I don't get, Stephen. Is there anything you... Can you make any sense out of that part of the, about this whole deal? Yeah, that is interesting because if you think about it, you know, they offered him a five-year, what, $160 million contract last year, and yet they don't want to offer him, you know, basically, uh, what, three years, $105 million. But each one of those years, Correa can walk if he wants to. I don't know that, you know, I, I think Crane was looking at, look, if we're going to sign him, we want to keep him. We don't want to sign him for a year and have him decide, you know what, this just isn't working anymore and walk off. That, that's the only thing I can think of. Obviously, the Twins don't have a problem with it because I think, you know, for them, they're, they're in a win-now situation. They'll take that chance. Whereas the Astros, they're not willing to give Correa that kind of money to take a chance for him to say, yeah, after one year, I'm done. Or maybe even after two, we're, we're finished. So that's the only thing I can think of is that the, the Astros just weren't willing to take that risk. Why? I, I just, that's the part well, I don't know. that's understand. a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that question. They, they just, they would rather be in it for the long haul than have one more year with him and maybe win another World Series. Yeah, I just don't get it because this is the best case scenario if you're the Astros. You, you, you don't commit to him long term. You don't get stuck with him in his older years when he's in his mid to late 30s. And you know, when these other guys are coming up and, and going to start making the big money, the Jordans and the Kyle Tuckers and, you know, the, the, all these pitchers that they've got, that that's going to be not this year or next year. That, that shouldn't be for another couple of years. Now, maybe they, they don't see it that way. And maybe $32 million a year is, well, we can, the, the it's going to make sense for us to get three, four, five guys that we could be paying and, and it's worth it as opposed to, dumping it all into this one guy although hey don't forget they got the Bregman contract coming up next year that's going to be 30 million dollars a year so right. you know I mean it's and 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 you're like well yeah Correa at this point is way way more important than Bregman <laughs> well there's no question we've talked so much about both the tangible and intangible things that Carlos Correa brings to the club but I just think yeah sometimes it is better to pool your resources into several guys and not just one and, you know, I, I remember the, the heartbreak that we had with Carlos Beltran in 2004. And we thought, oh, my goodness, this team is never going to be any good now that Carlos Beltran's not there. Well, that's not true because they got to the World Series in 2005. So I, I'm just hanging on the fact, Robert, that it just wasn't meant to happen. And, and, and believe it or not, you know, when the, the thing came out that maybe Carlos, you know, they, they might be talking again. 
Maybe there's a chance he'll sign that short-term deal. I didn't get all that excited, Robert. I just kind of felt like, no, this this deal, the, the ship has sailed, whether it's from the Astros or Correa's standpoint. That ship has sailed. It, it's not going to happen. So I didn't get too excited about it. And it's a good thing I didn't because I'd be just about as shattered and disappointed as so many other people are, obviously. They almost suckered me in, Stephen. Yeah, they almost did. No, I, I admit, I took a good look at it. I'm like, what? Maybe Greg Lucas was right when he said that Correa is going to stay. You know, he's the first person I thought about it. Yep. We had Greg talking about that for yeah. sure. Correa, though, when it was all said and done, I mean, let's face it. He chose Mall of America over the Galleria. I mean, the Galleria mm. is deteriorating, Stephen, and we're finally paying the price for that. Yeah, I guess. And it's going to deteriorate more. <laughs> and if Carlos Correa's presence isn't felt there anymore. Yeah, the Mall of America. Yeah, Minnesota. I, I mean, I, you know, I think Carlos, as I said, I, I think the Twins are certainly in a situation where they want to win now. And it's going to be interesting just to see what happens if they don't. You know, is he going to walk again and then maybe sign somewhere else? Did you see Martin Maldonado's tweet? I did not. He said, sorry, I tried. And then he had two tear emojis. (laughs) Just And and I think I had a tear emoji that was for real after I saw it. Yeah, Yeah. I think we all tried, Martin. You know, the whole city tried. They they all tried to get behind him and it just didn't work. And, you know, but I I think it was, well, there were several players. You know, Alex Bregman was one. And, you know, Lance McCullers, I think, was another. Sure, they're going to miss Carlos Correa. But, you know, they're friends with him and they want what's best for him. And ultimately, that's how they're going to have to play it. They, You know, he's gone. They're going to have to make do with it. And they will. These guys are professionals. They have business to take care of. The season's about here. You know, the lockout is over. So now we can just concentrate on baseball. At least a decision has been made. Now we can just concentrate on baseball. And let's just hope the Astros can get back, even without Correa. They did it without Springer and Cole and basically without Verlander because he wasn't there either. So now you've got Verlander back. If he can just last through a whole season, there are some other question marks we can get into some other time. But there's still a guy. I still like the look of this team to get to the playoffs again. Yeah. The other thing I'm a little worried about is Lance McCullers recovery is not going all that well. And that's a whole other story. And I guess we can get into that later, too. But I, I do have some silver linings in this entire Correa mess. Silver lining number one, Stephen, he did not sign with the Yankees. Oh, silver yeah. lining number two. Yeah. He did not sign with the Red Sox. Yep, there you go. You're on a roll. Keep how many you have? Silver lining number three. <laughs> he did not sign with the Dodgers. Yeah, I was actually going to thinking of them as my second. But yeah, the Red Sox would probably be second. OK, go ahead. And then of course, well, we go on and on. Rangers would probably be next, but how about silver lining number five? When you look at the World Series odds, and I looked at them, the Astros still the favorite in the American League, and only behind the Dodgers to win the whole thing. So, despite yeah. all of this, yeah. the Astros are right there. Yeah, and that kind of goes along with what I just said: is that you know you already lost several players from the twenty, uh, yeah, the twenty twenty team. And they still got back. So this Astros lineup still has some punch to it. You know, the pitching has always got some question marks, but it's still got some pitching. And I I just think that, again, yeah, all those silver linings you just talked about, I guess, you know, the the one thing that I would have loved to have seen is that he had gone to the National League. Then unless you're talking about interleague play or the World Series, you're not going to see Carlos Correa, but you are going to see him a number of times when he's with the Twins. But, oh, well, at least, as you said, it's not the Yankees and it's not the Red Sox. You know, is Carlos Correa going to get the Twins 
to get past the first round of the playoffs, you know? <laughs> so there's more of a question mark there than I think is if he was with the Yankees or Red Sox or Dodgers. Yeah. And in the next few days, I'm going to be posting an interview that I did with an Astros AAA prospect who's played with their new shortstop, Jeremy Pena, quite a bit. That's going to be the guy it looks like because Trevor Story went off the market. We're talking Sunday night. I don't really hear much about anybody else being potentially involved except for Jeremy Pena. You're going to want to hear what this prospect has to say about Jeremy Pena. He's also going to talk about Corey Lee and Pedro Leon and pitcher Hunter Brown. So some guys that definitely worth keeping an eye on. Corey Lee could add you some offense in a place where you didn't have offense if he ever starts playing for the Astros because he's a catcher. Also, go back and listen to my interview with prospect Jonathan Sprinkle, too, if you missed it. That guy's got a whip out of the bullpen. (laughs) Definitely pumped about his potential, Stephen. I mean, I didn't know much about him. And then when I did the interview, I had to do a little research and he's got a he's got a little bit of an arm and he he could be a real potential guy here he's in he's ended in double a came out of college so he's older you know we're probably going to see him in sugarland this year and the astros could use some bullpen guys because they lost a couple of those we haven't talked too much about but they lost you know the guys that they traded for uh during the year last year so so they need some whips in the bullpen right now yeah they certainly do and some of those guys that you see in sugarland i honestly believe you're going to see up in the big club, especially, you know, with the pitching the way it is, because as I said, there are still some question marks. And yeah, those great interviews, by the way, Robert, that that Jonathan Sprinkle interview, you got to go back and listen, especially about the story he tells about his younger brother. That's going to move you. I I mean, I'm convinced that's going to move you. So some great, you know, people talk about how low the Astros farm system is on the totem pole, but, you know, this is all rankings and numbers there are still some guys that could make an impact with this team. And you just mentioned every one of them. So that's why I just feel hope is not lost. Yes, Correa is lost, but all hope is not lost. Jeremy Pena had a great last few weeks of the season in Sugarland offensively. I mean, that was the big question mark for him. But in Sugarland this past season, he really did something toward the end of the year after coming back from that injury. And his defense, you know, a lot of people have already talked about it. So We'll just have to see what happens, whether it's him, you know, Nico Goodrum combination with Aledmis Diaz or something like that. Nah, Nico Goodrum, no, but Aledmis Diaz at least is there and can help you out. And I talked about it a little bit at the end of last year. I think that's going to matter just that he's there and you got him as sort of a a, a little bit of a blankie yeah. uh, for Jeremy Pena. The last thing I was just going to bring up about Correa, unless you had something else, but the last thing I wanted to bring up is, where, where where would you have him, Stephen, in the Astros pantheon of like if we're ranking Astros all time players? I mean, I, you you know Bagwell and Biggio just because of the length of their career, they're they're already in the Hall of Fame, of course. And then you've got Altuve, who you know you might have just a little bit ahead of Correa because he got here a couple of years earlier, and he's going to be here longer, and everything that Altuve's done, but. I don't know. Is Correa after that? Is he, or am I, should I, I feel like I'm forgetting that Berkman, his numbers are <laughs> way better offensively than Correa, but defensively Correa, you know, what an impact he made there. That's like a whole other level. And then, and what he did leadership wise on the field, not that Berkman wasn't a leader, but I, I put Correa ahead of, of Berkman. So I would have him, I'd probably have him fourth. What do you think? I, you know what, Robert, this may raise your eyebrows, but 
If I'm going not just on position, not just on hitting, if I'm going on just the other intangibles like the leadership qualities and other things that Carlos Correa adds to this ball club, I'm actually going to put him third ahead of Altuve. Not by much, not by much, mind you. Yeah, I definitely put him ahead of Berkman. Berkman was a great leader too and certainly great at his position. But, you know, the, the playoffs tell the story and, you know, it, it's nip and tuck really with Correa and Altuve as far as great playoff moments. But I, I just think, you know, one of the big reasons the Astros got to that 2020, you know, when they got there, as far as they did, it was Carlos Correa. It was a weird season and all kinds of things. They weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs if they hadn't had the expanded format. But Carlos Correa, that's when he really stepped up and proved that he could be a leader with these players on the field and off the field. So I'm going to put him third, just barely a speck of a hair ahead of Jose Altuve. He is better as far as impacting winning than Jose Altuve is. But I just feel like part of the grade is being in attendance. And, you know, there was a lot of, we, we like suddenly forget this. There was a lot in the last few yeah, years. There was, where, yeah, with the back injuries. Yep. Yep. And back injuries and, and other stuff. There was other, I think, wrist injuries. And I mean, there was just a lot. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough call between him. I mean, when it's all said and done, Probably Altuve, because Altuve, he's got it. Yeah, and I'm looking at the here and now. Obviously, now, you know, three or four years from now, we, we may put Jose Altuve as number one, but, you know, even ahead of Bangswell Biggio. I, I don't know. That's going to be hard to do, but it could happen. So I'm only basing it on the here and now, as Carlos Correa is no longer an Astro. I got to give Altuve... I think he's already ahead of those other two guys anyways, because... Well, he does have a World Series. <laughs> that certainly can't hurt, right? Yeah, and and the fact that when the playoffs were on, he was much more of a bright lights guy like Lance Berkman was. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Deshaun Watson, let's let's move over to that because that was the other thing that happened on Friday. What a day that was. But the yeah. Texans get three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. They give up a fifth, which I can get to in a bit. But what did you think about what Casario got for Deshaun and any of the noise that you might have heard from Texans fans afterwards about that trade? You know, I'm not sure unless you had, you know, six first round draft choices for the next six years, six second round draft choices for the next six years, uh, you know, three or four frontline players. I'm not sure anybody, as far as Texans fans go, I'm saying, is going to be happy with that deal. Could they have gotten more for him? Sure. But look, there are still some things in play that are unknown. You know, fortunately for Deshaun anyway, he's not going to be charged criminally, but this thing has still not gone away yet. And, and this deal needed to be done, Robert. This, this needed to move forward for the Texans' sake, for Deshaun's sake, and just, you know, for the sake of the future of the team. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah, we would have loved to have seen some frontline players. So I'm going to ask you, Robert Land, the wise one, are there any players <laughs> on the Cleveland Browns that you would have wanted to see in that trade to the Texans? I just think the problem is the Cleveland Browns are trying to win a championship now. And if, if you're going to win with Deshaun, which is what you want to do, you can't be giving up frontline starters. And I, I guess when it's all said and done, I wasn't expecting a team to give away starters because the Texans were going to have the ba their back against the wall because right. Deshaun was going to get to choose wherever he, he got to go. 
I, I feel like I have to repeat this over and over again to drill it into Texans fans' heads. He had a no-trade clause. Bill exactly. O'Brien put a gun to the Texans' head on this with that stupid part of his contract, and the Texans were screwed. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I was going to say that. And, and as you just said, yeah, the Browns are going to want to win. I'm, I'm looking at it from the Texans' perspective, though. I mean, who are you going to want? You don't want Baker, Baker Mayfield, do you? No, no, I, no, yeah, I don't. Yeah, of course not. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Texans don't want another $30 million quarterback when they're trying to rebuild. There's, there's no point in it, especially when they feel like, hey, we, we may have got somebody anyway with Davis Mills. Yeah, you still need to see what you have in Davis Mills. Now, here's the other aspect of this, Robert, that I've thought a lot about, and I've said this many, many times. It doesn't matter how many draft picks you have. It's what you do with them. And I believe it was you who tweeted out the other day, the Texans have five of the top 80 picks yeah. in this draft, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, fine. That's, that's great. They have five draft picks in the first 80 picks. But what are you going to do with them, Nick Casario? You better come through with them. Or it doesn't matter how many draft picks you have. This deal is going to stink. Then, okay, then Texans fans can scream and yell all they want if he botches a lot of those draft picks and the Browns go on to win the Super Bowl. Then I'll be on their bandwagon. And one thing that I would like to see, and I've always felt this way, and I'm sure I've said this on the show before, the best thing that you can do is take some of those first-round picks and trade down a little bit. Even if you're trading down and you pick up a third-round pick, not even a second-round pick, do that because it's worth it because the more potential lottery picks that you and they're these are all lottery picks it's feel you, right. you feel like oh well first round pick they're gonna they're guaranteed to be a star no not really oh, and, no. and not and, anymore <laughs> and, and i mean the texans have been fairly lucky actually in the first round as we've talked about right. but it, it it's as far as i'm concerned they could get some more in this draft trade down add some guys it doesn't seem like that's casario's the way he goes about things, Stephen, as we've seen so far. But. No, I don't think you're going to see that. And, you know, there is other, another possibility is you could take one of those first-round picks, maybe trade it for a player, you know, maybe get a player that perhaps – I mean, I, I don't have any examples. I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there right now. But, you know, maybe that's where you could get a player that, that might help the team. But I just don't see – I as you said, the Texans are in rebuild. They're going to want to do this through the draft and then fill in the gaps with free agency – where they can. That, that's where I think this team is headed, you know, certainly at least for the next couple of years. I saw uh, one of the, uh, he's a, he's a sports radio guy in Houston. Let's just call him that. I'm not going to call him out by name, but he's like, Oh, why, why is Casario throwing in a fifth round pick? And I mean, you didn't have to do that and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let me explain the fifth round pick thing, because it seems like people can't put two ideas in their head at the same time. Um, I, I guarantee negotiations probably stalled after the initial offer. You know, the Texans are playing yeah. a couple teams against each other. They're having to deal with where Deshaun wants to, to, to go and all that. So Nick figured, you know, once he got to that point where it's like, okay, three first and a third, he's like, well, let's, well, let's try this. And Nick said, all right, what if uh, we give you a fifth and you give us back a fourth? So basically it was like a pick swap. So Nick's trying mm -hmm. to like, okay, I'm going to just add a little bonus. Like a, it's a little cherry on the top thing of like, I'm going to move up in the draft. Notice that he backed his pick up to 2024, his pick that, that uh, fifth round pick with the hope that the Texans team is better at that point. So that pick right. is a little worse. 
you know, I just, I can't believe people are whining about that because unless you're in the room and knows, knowing what's going on and you fully understand that this guy is facing 22 charges, you're going to miss him for maybe half of the season with the suspension, I would suspect. Um, so you don't even get that if you're the other team. Right. And then the Browns, uh, amazingly, Stephen, I, and I, I don't know what you thought about this, but they get uh, Deshaun to sign a guaranteed contract. He is going to be guaranteed. What was it? 230? 238, I believe. It's 238 million, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Robert, I, I just don't. I, it's like we always look for things to whine about. You're whining about a fifth round pick. Let's not forget. How many times has Nick Casario gotten some of those late round picks back after trading them away? Several times. He could get that fifth round pick back. You could snap your fingers and it probably happened tomorrow if you wanted it to. I, I mean, that is just so minor, so way down on the scale that I, I didn't even, I totally forgotten about it, Robert, until you just brought it up. Was there any other angles for this thing? Because, you know, for me, it's like, I'm like you. I'm just like, I'm glad it's over with. And they got three first round, three, look, three first round picks is nothing to sneeze at. And I know it's what it's, they wanted and, and it's the Browns. So you're, you know, you, yeah. you they're going to be good. You would suspect, but it's the NFL. You don't know Deshaun gets hurt. What, what, and what are the Browns going to be next year without Deshaun the first six games? Then he's got to get, he hadn't played Remember, but once he comes back, if the, I'm, at, I'm just assuming there's an ex- suspension and that's pretty, that's a pretty basic assumption there, but when he comes back, he hasn't played an NFL game in a year and a half. So it, I don't know if he walks right in with a brand new team, not having played in a year and a half and the Browns just start rolling. And you know, whoever is, is quarterbacking for them the next uh, six or the first six games, I, who knows? So uh, th- that first round pick actually next year might not be too bad. We'll see. Well, you know, you said this is the Cleveland Browns. Well, guess what? You're right. This is the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> and just because they have Deshaun doesn't mean that they're going to can be consistently good and even win a Super Bowl. You know, they thought that with Baker Mayfield, and they went around and got some players around him, and they stumbled. So guess what? Deshaun is, you know, obviously did great for the Texans, but he is still a human being, and there are, as you mentioned, too many variables in this equation. I'm almost going, you know what? I'm actually glad that he went to the Cleveland Browns just because maybe even Deshaun Watson isn't going to be able to change the Browns jinx. If it had been the Saints or the Falcons, you know, honestly, that's where I thought he was going to go to one of those two. He could have if he'd said yes, but it was the Cleveland Browns. I'm actually a little bit relieved, Robert. I don't know about you. I I don't know if it's relieved, but I'm just... I'm like, well, it, you know, it, it's in the conference, but, you know, the, the mistake would have been obviously in the division. You don't want to trade him to the Colts. Oh, no. And the crazy thing is, Stephen, uh, the, 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 the Texans next year, they're going to go against a pretty tough division now because the Broncos, have, well, since you and I have talked, the Broncos have added Russell Wilson. The Raiders have added Devontae Adams at wide receiver. Yeah. That was another story this week. Uh, we know what the Chiefs are in that division. The Chargers are up and coming too. That's the division that the Texans are going to play. That's the bad news. But you know what I was thinking, Stephen? Look at the AFC South. I mean, the, the Colts mm-hmm. don't have a quarterback right now. Carson Wentz is gone. I don't know wh- what where they go and what they do with the quarterback situation. Jacksonville isn't like, it's not this, oh, uh, it's instant 
greatness because Doug Peterson shows up at the door and you got a second year quarterback. Um, so this division, we'll see the Titans. You might think, uh, oh yeah, they're the, but they're not, this isn't a juggernaut. The tight, I mean, Vrabel's a great no. coach, but they're, they're not a juggernaut. So the, the division is maybe at least it, it's going to at least be, could be interesting for the Texans if they can get up just a little bit better, just a little bit. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's not going to be, I don't, I don't foresee it as a runaway division. And, you know, the, the Texans actually won four games last year when I think you and I and almost everybody on the planet didn't think they were going to win one or two. So, again, you know, with these draft picks, whoever else they can get in the interim, there's just no telling, Robert. I mean, that's the exciting thing. And, and I'm, I'm feeling a bit better just because oh, Deshaun is finally gone. We, we finally got this out of the way. Yeah, I know. Two player, two superstars walking in one day. That's hard to take. But we got to look at this in a positive way because it's the only other way we can get through it, right? Well, Deshaun, <laughs> come on. We, we knew this is over. We knew yeah. that was. And it needed to be over. It, it needed to be over a long time ago. But I, I think, you know, now that it is, we can start moving forward with some other analysis. So the worst news, obviously, was Korea. Then the Deshaun thing was, you know, as we said, it's, it's, it's kind of a middle ground. You know, it's, it's hard to say goodbye to the one good quarterback that you've had but we we knew where this was going to go let's get out of the depression of all of that and the film and everything like that and how about talking about you and my Houston Cougars and Kelvin Stampson who still managed to bring me joy this weekend because they're <laughs> just so much darn fun and such a great uh. story Steven, they got to their second straight Sweet 16, and they beat a single-digit seed in the tournament. This is an incredible stat. For the first time since Akeem Olajuwon beat a Rick Carlisle. Yes, Rick Carlisle yeah. played basketball yeah. one, one, one day back in the way, way distant past. <laughs> uh, when Olajuwon beat Carlisle and his Virginia team in the 84 Final Four and that was Stephen. Okay, get out your calculator. I think that was about thirty-eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, it was thirty-eight years ago, and I remember that because I was a senior in college. You know, so it brings back great memories, and that is quite something, Robert. And I know we we probably we probably run Kelvin Sampson into the ground. We talk about him so much, how great a coach he is. But listen. You know, with the team that he's had to do this year, with all the injuries, and I'm not just talking about to the two key position players like Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser, you know, they've had other injuries throughout the year. The fact that they make the sweet 16 again with all the depth issues they have. And when they stumbled kind of down the stretch, you know, you kind of wondered, are they, are they, are they on tired legs? Is this team even going to be able to get through the first round or two of the NCAA tournament? The fact that they've done this, and I'm telling you, if they get to the final four, whether they win it or not, this has to be, the best coaching job Kelvin Sampson has done to date, just considering all he's had to face. And I'll tell you something else, what it proves, Robert, and, and I think you and I talked about this, you know, on the phone the other day, there is no way the Cougars should have been seated fifth. And, you know, I had them pegged as at least a four seed. I don't know, three might have been too high. I mean, they did stumble kind of at the wrong time. But when you look at some of the other selections that were made and some of the seeds, there's no way the Cougars are a fifth seed. So, you know what, they came out and showed people, hey, you should have seated us higher. 
because we just beat a higher seed. Yeah, you probably heard my gripe session with the Houston Cougars podcast. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I I was not happy about the seating. Still not happy about the seating. It still matters because it you know it, it does help you to get that higher seat as the tournament goes along. But I mean, the thing is, I just got to talk about these two games and especially this game against Illinois. Look, the Cougars. Um, it, it was a battle the whole game, but they were in control and Kelvin Sampson did a hell of a job against their big guy Coburn in the post. I mean, just basically took him out of the game. The, the defense played so, so smart, so smart, Stephen. They did, Robert. And you know what, as you and, and I'm sure you'll agree with this in the NCAA tournament, it's all about matchups. And just the way Kelvin Sampson is able to do that. Now, I, I didn't catch the entire Illinois game today, Robert, but, you know, at one point in the second half, the Cougars were only shooting like 34% and they were still ahead. And then they turned on the afterburners and got it going. You know, it's, and, and just that defense was such a key, as you said, for them to be able to do that, to, to hang in there, keep, you know, Illinois at bay, and then finally turn up the Jets. You know, they won by 15 points. People may look at that, and if they didn't see the game, they go, boy, Houston just really dominated. No, they really didn't. Illinois hung around, but that Cougar defense, it came through when it had to, and then the shooting came through when it had to late in the second half. Before I go on more about the game, what kind of terrible excuse are you going to give me for not watching the whole Cougar game? Because, I, I, I mean, it was like Christmas for me. I was so excited to watch you this You know, um, I don't really have a good excuse other than – I was, I, I had a little issue with some dizziness and I had to go back to bed for a little bit and woke up while the game was in progress. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, Fabian White, <laughs> you know, he's got a bad back. He's bleeding on his face. You, you I don't want to hear any excuses from Steve. Yeah, I know. I don't, I know. You don't want to hear it, but you asked me, you asked me for an <laughs> excuse. I gave you one. I didn't give you a reason. <laughs> well, I guess we need to get Kelvin Sampson to coach you up and get yeah. you a little bit tougher. Yeah, he'll 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 definitely give me a whooping. I'll tell you that right now. I was telling somebody today, I'm like, I, you know, I was just bragging about Kelvin. And I'm like, the thing that just is so crazy is I have been at those practices, Steven, and he gets on those guys. You don't even know. You, I think yeah. I've said it on the show before, you – you're scared and you're not even involved. You're like, man, I hope Kelvin doesn't turn and start yelling at me. And those guys, I mean, with all of that and those guys just absolutely love him. They well, love him to death. I mean, you would think that he's dad and grandpa and everything all rolled up into one. Well, and you, you know, you said grandpa. Well, here's the thing. He, those players know that Kelvin Sampson loves each and every one of them. And that's the reason he does get on them is he loves them. He wants them to be better because if they're better, guess what? The team's better. And there are only so many guys who can do that, Robert, and can get away with it. There are plenty of coaches who yell and, you know, get on guys and scream at them. And those players will transfer, you know, you got the transfer portal now. So if they don't like what a coach does or says to them, they can leave. And, and that could certainly happen in U of H, but it's because of who Kelvin Sampson is, the, the character that he exudes. You know, there are probably plenty of other things that we don't see, Robert, you know, when they're not at practice that are the exact opposite that makes those players buy in to what he's selling them. You know, even if the Kool-Aid tastes sour, they're going to drink it because they know what the result's going to be at the end of the day. 
I got to mention two guys before I finish up on the Cougars. Jamal Shedd, man, yeah. hit some big shots. And his float game, his like five to 10 foot, you know, when he drives to the basket and he figures out ways to get the ball in the basket at his size is remarkable. And then the other guy we got to talk about, and I just mentioned him, was Fabian White with two huge plays towards the end of that game. Uh, he makes the great save inbounds, and yeah. it leads to the fast break uh, basket late in the game, which I thought was you know kind of a turning point moment um, that, that that sort of got the Cougars on that last roll to to end the game. And you know, I said Grandpa with Kelvin Sampson. Well, Grandpa, he t- I don't know if Stephen, if you noticed this, he t- he took his shirt off after the game, and I don't know if I want to see that. Charles Barkley was like, I don't know if yeah. I need to see that either. And keep the shirt on, Kelvin. <laughs> I mean, he's in good shape for, you know, yeah, we got to remember the guy's in his mid sixties, but still, I mean, I don't know if I need to see that. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. But you know what? If, if it, if it, if they win the next game, maybe he should just do that every game. Yeah. Maybe just superstition. <laughs> maybe we'll just have to put up with it. Now here's the thing. You mentioned Fabian White and Jamal Shedd. We may have expected to see this from Fabian White, but Jamal Shedd, I don't know, Robert, did, did you, when the season began, did you think Jamal Shedd was going to be the player that he has turned out to be? I, I just, I didn't. No, no, I, yeah. I, I did not see it. And, I, you know, who would have, I mean, look, for, forget about him. I mean, where would they be without Tajay Moore? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, that guy. Tyler Edwards, you know, another, the, the tech transfer. I mean, just there are several guys that have stepped up. But yeah, Jamal Shedd and Fabian White, those are certainly the two that without them, I, there's no way this team would be where they are right now. And more just, you know, he, he was getting all the big buckets in this game and making plays left and right. And, you know, it was funny because when the game was all over with and they go, they're in studio. And I think it's a couple hours later, they're, they're talking about the Cougs again at halftime in the next game. And it was interesting because Wally Zerbiak, former NBA guy said, Hey, uh, other, other players around the country probably should notice that uh, Kelvin Sampson does a hell of a job uh, with, with his guys and a hell of a job uh, really making them into something. And, you know, while he was giving a, old Kelvin Sampson's a little recruiting, a uh, little, little munchies there for. Yeah, for no doubt. And, and see the fact that the national guys are noticing that Robert, I mean, they're, they're noticing what you and I and most Cougar fans have already known for so long is, you know, that's just the impact that Kelvin Sampson's has, you know, the national media, Former NBA players are starting to recognize it now. This team, defense, rebounding. I mean, these are all things. Charles Barkley said it. Hey, that stuff travels in the NCAA tournament. It travels. Yeah. So the Cougars, they're going to be in games. I'm, I'm not worried about them getting blown out. Are, are, are they going to have enough, you know, good guys that are, that, that can make the big baskets towards the end of the games when you, when you get up and you jump up and, in competition, you know, that's a whole wait and see thing. But, you know, potentially, as you and I are talking, the game's not over with, but the the potential is that that it's going to be Arizona next. And Arizona was a team that actually I thought was a Final Four team. I was talking with the Scott Holman podcast guys, Dustin and Sam, about that. And, you know, that that game scared them too. But look, the, the Cougars, I, the, the question for me is not, you know, can they compete with these teams? It's just, can there's... It, do they have enough? If this game, if the games are close at the end, can their guys get it done over the other team's guys? That's the only question for me. 
Yeah, that's my question. But, you know, here's the other thing. It's if the games are close at the end, anything can happen because it is the NCAA tournament. And this is one year, Robert, where it really is no clear-cut winner, you know, going in. And with all the upsets that take place and, and have taken place even in this tournament, there is still some hope. But, yeah, I, I just wonder, you know, as you get closer and closer to the Final Four and then the championship game, it's going to be tough. There's no question about it. And I'm not picking them to win it totally. But to be honest, the way this team has played in this tournament, you know, it just it wouldn't surprise me if they won it. Just based on all the factors and all the things that have already happened in this tournament, it, it wouldn't be far-fetched to pick them to do that. But yeah, it, it is a big question mark, I think, for all of us at this point. The other thing I wanted to talk about, just a, a last little thing as far as the tournament is concerned, and it's not so little because this has to do with our Houston Rockets. I have been recording and watching literally every second of Duke and Auburn and Gonzaga and uh, Purdue. You have got to watch all four of those teams because they have got the five players that the Rockets will probably be choosing from in some in one way or the, or the other in the draft. The Rockets look like they're going to lock down the worst record of the NBA, Stephen, again, again. Yeah. <laughs> but but this is good because you know that puts them automatically in the top five, and and it feels like it might be a four or five guy draft. So I think you know four or five guys where you know I feel like all these guys to me are all-star caliber guys, potentially. I mean, I, I, I love Chet Holmgren. I love Jabari Smith. I love Paolo. I love Jaden Ivey. I love A.J. Griffin. I, I love all of them. I don't, it's hard, like, putting him in a top five in, in the NBA. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other level. We're talking about Giannis and Embiid and Jokic and LeBron and Durant and those type of guys. That's a whole other level. But yeah. they're, they're all all-star caliber future caliber guys so this is fun to watch this because we know that it, it's probably going to be one of those guys that the rockets are going to choose and you know i got into it a little bit steven in, in a spaces twitter last night uh there was the conversation was about chet and a lot of people dogging chet and i'm like mm. eh, i don't know if i'd pick him number one i'd probably pick jabari but uh, uh, come on i mean chet He's, he, you know, I know he's skinny, but man, he's a freak. And I don't think you need to have 250 on you these days to be a center in the NBA. And, and the things that he can do is very modern NBA. He can play outside, you know, he can recover to block shots. He's a really good passer, which everybody I think just totally forgets. And I think is a, is, it matters a lot. It's another tool in the tool belt, which matters once you get to the NBA, you want as many tools as possible. So like Steven, I, I'm just like, Hey, don't, don't let's, let's not crap on chat. Okay. Let's not do that. I'm with you because you know, I, I, it's probably between Jabari and Chad. And, and the more I, I just, I, I think he's the one I like is Chad. He just does so many great things and you know, you've got options and that, and look, the bucks have a freak. Why can't the, the rockets need a freak? They need to get one. And maybe that's Chad. Maybe it's one of these other four guys, but yeah, I'm just so excited that that's the only thing, Robert, that I'm hanging on to right now with the Rockets is, okay, the season's getting close. It's almost over. We can start looking toward the draft because that's about the only ray of hope we've got with this team right now. That and Jalen Green 
and Shangoon are still fun to watch. And we're seeing uh, Jalen Green, he's turned a corner in the last few weeks, which has been really good to see. But Shangoon, you know, whatever you, however rough it is to watch the Rockets, Shangoon, when he has the basketball, it is like, I feel it's like a it's like a nice cool breeze on a really hot yeah. day or something like that. I'm like, oh, there's that guy can that guy can do a lot of cool stuff with basketball. You know, Jalen Green. It seems like ever since the All Star game, I've noticed he's stepped up his game. And uh, you know, we were hoping that might be something that would happen. I think we just you know again sometimes we get a little impatient because they're not making the kind of progress we want them to make. But I think Jalen Green, you build another guy next year in the draft around him and a few more. There is some hope for the Rockets. It's just coming much slower than we want it to. Last thing before we go, we got to talk about the fact that, you know, again, Stephen and I are talking. Uh, we're doing the audio thing, so you don't have to do this, but we're, we're on YouTube now. And Stephen and I are going to try to do that. But definitely with all these interviews, you're going to want to see that some of the, these interviews and people's reaction to stuff and all that. So you can just you can go over to my YouTube channel. The links are, you know, they're up on the website, HoustonSportsTalk.net. I put up every single podcast over there. I'm putting up the video links on the website, as well as you can find the audio links on the website too, but also, you know, on Twitter, I put them up on Facebook. So, so they're around. So when you go to those links, it's real easy. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to keep up with everything, but, you know, subscribe to it. Do me a favor, do that for us because that'll help us out too. But the, the thing with this, Stephen, is, it, it's it's fun. It's fun to see some of these people that we interview because you know you, you get that option. You get the option to to see them. Nobody wants to see me, but uh, and see them. <laughs> by the way, uh, I, I I know you can't see it, but behind me I've got my Rockets uh, old school hat. I've got my Astros hat with the little. Uh, if people don't realize it, that this Astros hat that I have behind me, that thing that you see sewn on there. This is something that I got at the Astrodome back in the old days. It's probably I got it in the 80s. It was this iron-on thing that I put on the hat. And oh, then I got wow. my little Texans helmet behind me. So I'm, I, I'm trying to give you guys a little bit of visual stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's, it's been fun to do the YouTube stuff and, and, and give people another, the other option. Yeah, it is. And I'm just glad that, you know, my first time on YouTube isn't because I did something really stupid or embarrassing. You know, that I, I count that as a plus for me. And you know, most people may not realize, maybe they realize it now because I'm on video. But as you alluded to, Robert, I, I couldn't see what you have in the background because I'm blind, but I can talk sports with the best of them. And I, I just, you know, this is great. I've, I've really enjoyed it, Robert. It's It's been a while since we've caught up. So I'm glad we got to do this, even if it was, you know, mostly more bad news of Houston sports, losing two more players. But things are going to turn around. I just know they are. It just may not be as soon as we want it to. Yeah, the the other thing is I'm I've been trying to do this. I, I'm going to continue to try to do this. It's going to be some more interviews. It's going to be more people that I'm going to bring in as much as possible. Give Stephen a little bit of a break because he's got a super busy schedule. But uh, we've done a ton of them over the last three or four weeks. I don't know yeah. if I could keep up that pace, but <laughs> I, you know, like I said, I've got an Astros prospect coming up. Who knows? I might, if I if I feel like it, I might I might I got some other ideas of some people that I might get this week. Uh, we'll see. But um, just with so much going on now, too, you know, with the tournament, we got the the Rockets draft coming up, the Texans draft coming up. Uh, there's a lot, and and for, yeah, with Astros season also like it's it's close, Stephen. 
It's very close. Yeah. By the way, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but they, they didn't get rid of those other games. So the Yankees get the that Yankee series, the Yankees games are coming back and there's actually going to be a Yankees doubleheader on July 21st. Man, that's going to be something to see. Yeah, they didn't, you know, it's still 162 games. They're going to have to compress it into a few less days because of the lockouts. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But yeah, I'm really excited. Baseball is definitely back. I can't wait for the regular season. So there are some things to look forward to, Robert. And yeah, this this won't be the last time I'll be on video with you, I promise. Verlander has already pitched uh, in spring yeah. training. So that's good news to hear. And, you know, we're, we're just going to ho- have to hope that Jeremy Pena is going to surprise. He's a good kid and he's, you know, there, there's stuff that's to get, like I said, this, this uh, interview that I got coming up, you're going to want to hear what this guy says about him. Cause he played, he's played with them in the minor leagues. All right. I'm definitely going to be watching that. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a good one. So uh, great to catch up with you, Steve. Great to catch up with everybody out there about everything that's going on and, and what a crazy weekend it's been. But uh, uh, we will talk to you again really soon. I promise. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.